Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Seasons greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am JP Mosier. And we're here to celebrate the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. JP, how you doing today, man? I'm doing fantastic, Rob. Why? Tell I the people. I am more excited for this episode than any that I think we may have ever done. We, we just finished punching each other in the teeth last yeah. week, and uh, and now we're going to high-five like good old uh, baseball buddies because hey. it's baseball season this week, kicks off, Yep. and we are doing a baseball song. Happy Major League Baseball season, Happy everybody. Happy baseball season. Happy opening week. Me and JP are back like it should be. Man. Like, uh, giving each other forearm fives like the That's Bash right, Brothers. The Bash, I'll be McGuire and yep. you can be Conseco. Uh, I'll be Conseco, who, if you've never followed him on Twitter, just go do it now. <laughs> do it right now. Jose Conseco is a great follow on Twitter because there's no telling what the guy is going to say. Last week, he accused uh, he accused Alex Rodriguez of cheating with his his wife or something like <laughs> cheating cheating on J Lo as he's like. Proposing to her with Conseco's wife or some—it's crazy. Conseco, you ha- took that ball off the head for the home <laughs> That's run. Right. That's how I always remember you. Oh man, what a dude! But uh, I did like that A's team, man. Oh, Ricky solid. Henderson, Dave Henderson, Walt Weiss. Yes, there you Walt go. Weiss. Uh, so okay, let's 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 be upfront uh, about our fandom here. We are both huge fans of baseball but in particular one team and that would be the Atlanta Braves the Atlanta Braves we grew up in the southeast Braves country as it's now known uh and uh and the Braves are like kind of all there is like until you get down to Florida uh if you live in the southeast it's if you live east of Missouri Braves Reds is about as close as you can get to where yeah, we live exactly so. east of Missouri south of Cincinnati it's a Braves country absolutely like, um so uh, and we grew up in the Braves' heyday. Oh yeah, when they were good. Yeah, absolutely. the 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 ninety one Braves uh, went worst to first and went to the World Series against the Twins. I got to go to that World Series, and I'm so jealous. One of the greatest experiences of my life. Thanks, Dad. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we just love baseball. Lifetime baseball fans. And disclaimer: we're going to talk a lot about baseball. It's true. on this episode. Yeah. So just buckle in. I'm so pumped, Rob. Why don't you play the song that we're playing, which is "Center Field" by John Fogerty? And while you're doing it, I got me and Rob each a pack of baseball cards from the '80s yeah. with the gum and everything in yes. it. So while this song is playing and y'all are listening, we're going to open our ball card packs. Heck yeah. And when we come back, we're going to discuss who got the best card out of the packs. (laughs) All right, here we go. So sit tight. Here we go. Here's Center Field by John Fogarty. like baseball man the, for me I, I may have even said this on the pod i don't know why but i don't know why i would have had a reason to say this but for me there's something almost sacred about the first time that you that you step up the steps and you get the view of the baseball field that's good and you take it all in for the first time i mean it's this close to holy like <laughs> it's just so close and this song almost puts you there this is the opening the day riff? song yeah you hear the the claps and yeah. then the riff comes in Ugh, it's just 
oh, all right there. I'm so excited. You and I are both going to Braves games uh, within the next week or so. We are. And Rob um, will be there before me. That's right. I have a I have a tradition now of me and a couple other guys. We've gone to opening day. Uh, the last. Since Jason Hayward was a rookie, that was our okay. first opening day. There you uh, go. So ten years ish, nine, yeah. ten years, um, which is so. amazing because nine. This will be the ninth year in a row that I've taken a group of twenty to a Braves game. Oh, I call okay. it Braves Fest. I get a fifteen passenger van from Enterprise, load up uh, fifteen of my closest friends, wow. minus Rob. He's up there in the list, but doesn't normally make <laughs> the trip because we normally go on Sundays. Anyway, sidebar. Um, and we go to a Braves game, so we will be going the first weekend that yep. they're there. But man, their opening day, good stuff. All right, let's dig into. Here it. We, we go. Here's we the just, pack. We each just opened a pack of 1989 Topps Major League Baseball cards. Uh, it's Topps your preferred brand? If you had to just, I think they're the most common. They're the obviously, most, they're so kind of the only one that survived. Like there was this sure. big bubble that burst in the 90s of cards, comics, everything, mm-hmm. and Topps is the only Topps one that's still kind of like. If I go, I, I prefer the older. Type of card, like I like Donruss, I like uh-huh. Tops. I don't like the really flashy hologram. Yeah, 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 just give me that. So I'll, your pack is definitely going to dominate mine because I just opened the worst pack of baseball cards in <laughs> yeah. history. Um, the best player in my pack is Mitch Williams, oh, wild okay. thing. Yeah. So that's that's about as good as I've got. And then I guess closely following behind him would be, I mean, nobody. <laughs> BJ Serhoff, okay, yeah. Dan Pasqua. Yeah. So pass on that. Okay. All right, Rob, do the unveiling. I got, uh, first of all, I got an Indian's number one draft pick named Mark Lewis. Okay. I don't think he ever did anything, but I think he might be the guy that builds guitars uh, called Warrior Guitars. I think he oh, might yeah. be that same Mark same, Lewis. Same guy. He like quit baseball and started building guitars. There's the way we tie it back into music. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, I got Wally Joyner, which I think probably already beats. I don't know if Wally Joyner beats uh, beats Mitch Williams or not. Maybe not. He, Wally Joyner, I don't know. He was kind of an all-around, you know, whatever. He's that kind of a B-level player, but so was Mitch Williams. Okay. B- Williams had his spots, though. I thought I was really excited for a second because I thought I had a Tony Gwynn. Because oh, I, yeah. I, I saw the, the, the YN and the Padres logo, okay. and then I revealed the whole Is card. Is it Marvell Wynn? It's Marvell Wynn. How about yeah. the fact that I knew that was Marvell Wynn That's on insane. the picture? Insane. That's baseball card nerd there for you. Followed up by a couple Hall of Famers there. I got Craig Biggio. Okay, yeah. And Dave Cohn. Oh, so, well, there you go. Yeah, I'd say bad. Rob Rob won the pack. I got I, and I, I got Ron Darling, Brett Saberhagen, Tony Fernandez. Oh, yeah. I did okay. Yeah, Rob had like, a good pack. Rob did, did okay. good. Rob wins. But now the real important question is how does the gum from 1989 <laughs> Here we go. Are taste? we both going to sample it? This is, we this should is, try it at different times. Wow. It this, just broke. This is 30-year-old 30 <laughs> gum. 30-year-old gum. Is, all right, happy all right. anniversary. Here we go. We're going to try this junk. Oh god! <laughs> this is oh god! Mm. It tastes like glass. <laughs> this is disgusting. <laughs> Wait, this is time for this is ASMR for some people though. Here, mm. we I'm just lost just... so many listeners. <laughs> I just spit mine out so well, I can focus. Okay, so what happens to gum after thirty years is that <laughs> it turns to concrete. You literally can't chew it. There is no. Uh, there's no elasticity to it at all. Man, it just like becomes, it, yeah, it becomes like Pez. Like it's almost like, uh, it's almost like, pe- yeah, Pez, like or, Pez or Sweet Tarts or something like that, isn't it? That's our next prize of unspeakable value. We're going <laughs> to mail you some gum <laughs> so from this 1989 pack. So stand by <laughs> for your prize of unspeakable value. Oh, man. Uh, okay, let's get back on the song. I don't know. We're going to get on a lot of baseball. Yeah, we're going to talk a lot of baseball today. So if that offends you, don't turn it off. Just keep listening and let let the goodness of truth, you know, shine into your life. Um, yeah. So, Center Field uh, is the title track uh, to John Fogarty's album, obviously named Center Field. Um, it came out in 1985 and written by John Fogarty. And we'll talk a little bit more about this, but he, he like played everything on it. Like this was, this is John Fogarty. Okay, you may know John Fogarty uh, probably as the lead singer also of Creedence Clearwater Revival. We'll talk a little bit about them in the process of the show. Um, this song was number four on the Billboard Top Rock Tracks, number forty-four on the Billboard Hot One Hundred, number twenty on the Canadian Adult Contemporary Chart. Expos fans, I guess. I guess. Um, oh Expos man, fans, uh, yeah, there we go. Or maybe Toronto Blue Jays fans. Man, I miss the Expos. I, I really love their jerseys. You not an Expos fan? I did not. It felt like they always trounced the Braves head to head, dude. I, or Mark played spoiler to the Braves or something before he became an yeah. man. So the Montreal the Expos, and then they became the Washington Nationals. Yeah, that's so, true. I hate which the Nationals. Are bitter rivals with. The Braves, so okay, I no, not I never was an Expos fan. Um, 
This song, this is a really cool uh, thing. This this is the only song honored by the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. Uh, it was kind of inducted. It wasn't inducted into the Hall of Fame, but it was honored in 2010, uh, coinciding with the 25th year anniversary of its release. So Take Me Out to the Ball Game is not... I this is wow. no I I, list, I saw several um things that says this is the only song honored in that way. Maybe okay. it was the only song that like because it plays 24 hours a day there yeah. now. And um Fogarty played the song there and he donated he had this awesome baseball bat shaped guitar. guitar. Yeah, that thing's awesome. And uh he donated it to the Hall of Fame and and now the song plays there continually on exhibit. So That's awesome. Um I don't know the like the official designation status of you know what I mean? It's I don't how you qualify for right. Like yeah. it's not inducted into the Hall of Fame, but it has been honored officially mm-hmm. at the Hall of Fame by the Hall of Fame. So um, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about John Cameron Fogarty, uh, born May twenty eighth, nineteen forty five, founder of Credence Clearwater Revival with Doug Clifford, Stu Cook, and Tom Fogarty. No relation, just kidding. Total relation. <laughs> uh, originally, it was his granddad. And weird thing. Yeah. Was, was, hey, Pappy, you want to start a band? <laughs> Uh, originally listed as one of Rolling Stone's greatest guitarists, came in number 40 in the original 2003 list, but he fell off the 2000 retooled list completely. Wow. Uh, We went from number 40 40 to not being on the list. The original list was criticized for overemphasizing male and American guitarists, Um, and so when when they redid it in 2011, Fogarty disappeared. Totally gone. That's a big drop. Yeah, I mean, he lost 60 spots. So it must have really emphasized <laughs> male American guitarists to begin with. Um, Fogarty received a draft notice for the Vietnam War in 1966, but on the same day, he went to an Army Reserves office and uh, and signed up to be a member of the Army Reserves, and the, the reserve uh, guy kind of... Uh, massaged the paperwork sure. a little bit. Backdated. Yeah, back backdated it a couple of hours before he had gotten the draft notice and uh, and allowed him to uh, not be drafted into Vietnam. He did serve in the reserves. He served at Fort Lee, Fort Bragg, and Fort Knox. Um, Creedence Clearwater Revival broke up after their 1972 album Mardi Gras, and their only appearances together since have been at Tom Fogarty's wedding. Uh, that's his brother, not his actual granddad. Um, and then minus Tom... At the band's twenty-year high school reunion, mm-hmm. um, so that would be awesome. Like if you went to your twenty-year twenty-year reunion because they met in high school and then did the band thing. So I don't know if they were like playing as a band in high school. They probably were in some format, right? But you go back for your twenty-year reunion, and you know half the people may still not realize that holy crap, that was CCR. Yeah, you know what I mean. So they're like, all right, we got a band for the reunion. Here's Creedence Clearwater Revival. What? And yeah. they and they haven't played together since. You know, whenever. <laughs> holy cow, man! It's our twenty-year reunion, Rob. Me it and is. You this both, is this is ours. Absolutely. Uh, so I'm gonna. I, we'll talk about it closer to the time of our reunion. I've got an episode <laughs> I've already pigged. But, oh wow. Um, for it, so we'll talk more about. It, Who, was there a was there a band when you were in school that was like the cool band made up of people from the school? I'll I'll tell you, and this is going to say sound super cocky, but we were the only band. Oh, I was so I kind of win by default, yeah. not because I was cool. There was a lot of guys that played like guitar, like you had a guy that would do, but but he wasn't in a band, right? I was like our group was the only group that was in an actual band. Okay, so by default, I'm going to give our band the cool band. Also, what's what was your band's name? Uh, band. <laughs> We weren't that cool, but uh, but we did play a dance or two. I think I told you when we talked about the Chicago episode that we mm-hmm. had the drummer's dad come up and sing yeah. with us and all that. So yeah. we played a, a dance or two, and it was band. It, we, yeah, we were awful. All right, but we were by default we would be considered the cool band. You were, so shouts you were the out cool to TJ Oakley and David Boyd wherever you are right now, guys. Uh, hope y'all are doing well. Outstanding. So. We had uh, and we, John Sparks. The sometimes. cool the cool band when I was a when I was a junior and senior in high school was called Open Blind, and it was like heavy it was somewhere between like um somewhere between like corn like new metal okay. you know what i mean it was somewhere between like corn and a little bit rage against the machine okay it was just kind of all all in there whatever um, shouts out to ryan frost who was the vocalist i'm sure you're out there listening um anyway they were like the cool band like i was in a band we were not the cool band you okay. know what i mean uh, we were we were a band okay and we were you, you know, should have gone to school with me you would have been the cool we, band yeah <laughs> just it would have been uh yeah so yeah okay um i wonder if there's i think the Police, no, the police reunited at Sting's wedding. 
Okay. Right? I wonder if there's if that's the the best high school reunion band story Probably. that's ever been. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, or if somebody sense. else, like if you know, I, I, for us, like Van Halen or somebody would be more iconic probably, but uh-huh. CCR really in Dude, pop music is probably, yeah. there's probably not much more iconic to, to be played at your high school reunion and go, yeah, man, that's, that's, that's from our school. Um, so after CCR broke up, um, you know, I don't want to step on your toes. You want me to save, save some of this for, for meet the band. Let's just play the jingle. Let's just keep talking. Okay. Throw right. in the jingle. Okay. Here we go. Hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the band. Hey! So it, it's funny that we talked about while we threw the jingle in the middle of this talking about John Cameron Fogarty. Yeah. It's because the meet the band section is John Cameron Fogarty. That's right. He played all the instruments um, on this particular track. Now, on the album, he did the majority of it. I want to go back to something that I referenced in the uh, Steve Winwood episode because we gave credit to the drummer John Robinson, John Robinson, who played drums on Higher Love, for playing on Centerfield. I need to clarify that wasn't Centerfield the song. He did some drum work on Centerfield the album. Uh-huh. So I needed to clear that up so that they don't think I'm. Uh, speaking out right. of turn. Mark it down. We are never wrong. <laughs> except we, a couple of weeks ago, I was dead are. wrong about something. <laughs> and I, I, we'll talk about it some other day, but yeah. So uh, we've already talked about how he's the lead singer of CCR with his brother, Tom Fogarty, on rhythm guitar, Doug Clifford, and Stu Cook. Um, I'm not going to discuss too much about CCR in case we do a CCR episode yeah, in the future. Um, his family embraced Catholicism, and thus he was fo- forced to go to a Catholic school. And in his mentor, Fortunate Son, which is a great song, by the way, but also a great name for your for your I'm sorry memoir. I think I said mentor. Okay. Yeah, memoir. Oh, his mentor. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I his mentor's his name. Mentor Fortunate. Is, is this going to yeah. be a story about how this came no, no, to be? Okay. The, he said that they wouldn't let him go to the bathroom in school, so he would just sit and wet himself in class. That's sucks so yeah that's that's pretty bad that's like there are several stories about that kind of situation like catholic school situations like 40 years ago Mm -hmm. that are just yeah not not a place i want to be yeah they uh so they anyway in 1959 he started the blue velvets with Stu cook and doug clifford and then his brother joined so they changed their name to the gollywogs and then they eventually became ccr depending on what you read i also read an account that their manager Changed their name to the Gollywogs without their notice. Oh, I didn't and know that. And that, like, be, um, that he was just like, okay, you're the Gollywogs now. And they're like, what? No. And he's like, yeah, it's on a poster. That kind of thing. Like, oh, so I'm man. not sure which of those is true. It's, it's hard to figure out some of the stuff on the internet. But anyway, they did change their name to the Gollywogs before they were CCR. That's for sure. I do want to sample a little bit of CCR thrown in here, not too much, sure. but because their first single was Suzy Q. Okay. Eight minute long song. It's wow. Susie really? Q's eight minutes, which wow. I never realized. And for somebody that gets credited for being in the top 40 of greatest guitar players, let's talk about the worst guitar solo that I've heard in a long time. <laughs> Go to minute 526. Yeah, I listened okay. all the way through Susie Q. You guys be the judge. You think this guy belongs in the top 40 of greatest <laughs> guitar players, and you think this would help set him apart as being uh, one of the great ones. Here, have a listen. Okay, so like, yeah. It's Greatest wh- of all time. It's top 40. <laughs> so he was number 40, and then they were like... They're like, let's listen to Suzy Q. <laughs> it's like, crap, what were we thinking? <laughs> nope. Uh, it was one of those uh, solos that like, um, they were like, all right, we got 10 minutes. You got one take. Uh, be sure to play every note you know. <laughs> like, um, anyway. So, uh, wow. Okay. Well, I mean, whatever. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I for, the, like, for the late sixties, like guess, it's, yeah. there was a lot of that. There were a lot of solos that had that. Everything was kind of overbent and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and just a little sloppier in general, you know, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not the, uh, technical wizardry that we're accustomed <laughs> to now. Wizardry. That's good. Um, 
So, yeah, and I think we're kind of going to bounce back. I'm going to have to touch on some CCR stuff. Yeah, uh, totally. Tom left in 71, who was his brother. Other members, Stu and Doug, wanted some songwriting credit or equal opportunity. Their stuff bombed when they wrote their stuff. Yeah. Like the Mardi Gras album. That was their... That was the... Yeah. But he insisted, like, basically, what I what I read, see if you, this bears out in your research, okay. but what I read said that he, like, they wanted... In other words, he was getting all the shine and he was getting all the all the credit because he wrote all the stuff. Mm-hmm. And so they were a little, as happens in bands, you know what I mean? One person kind of becomes the standout. The Beyonce kind of thing kind of happens. And somebody stands out and the band goes, well, what about us? We're kind of getting left behind. You're getting the songwriting credit. You're the star, whatever. So he said, fine, let's, you guys contribute but you're, you guys are going to sing. He, sa- he said there was some. Uh, there's a quote that basically said, "I'm my voice is a what did he say? My voice is a unique instrument, and I'm not going to lend it to your songs." Oh wow, something like that. So um, uh, basically, uh, he was pretty protective of his brand at that uh-huh. point, and he knew that he was the star. But he said, "If if we're going to do this, then it's going to be on you guys. If it sucks, yeah, basically. I'm not going to sing your filth. Yeah, is, yeah. So everybody's going to know that this was yours uh-huh. and not mine. Uh-huh. That's so, I mean." Whatever, but and that was CCR's last album. They broke uh, up after that. He didn't tour there for a while. No, nope. um, did nothing to. Uh, at the came back touring in '86 with the Eye of the Zombie tour, and mm-hmm. he didn't do any CCR stuff. Yeah, um, some sparse samplings of some CCR stuff in '89 for that concert for AIDS. Um, check out the band that played with him on that. I didn't realize it on guitar. Jerry Garcia and then Bob Weir played yeah. on there too, and then on bass, Randy Jackson. Yep, Steve Jordan on drums. On drums, yeah. Like, what? That's yeah, like, that There's should some, be a meet the band section right there. Some That's, cool live footage that uh, literally I watched right before we started for something that we'll talk about in just a minute. Oh, That's earth shattering. Goodness uh, gracious! So how's that for a tease? Do, you want to go ahead and jump into it? I n- maybe you save it. Okay. Yeah, let's save it because we're not even we haven't really dug into the song itself yet. Um, but yeah, he released a couple solo albums in the mid seventies, but his. Uh, 1976 album Hoodoo was rejected by his label totally before its release, uh, and he agreed not to release it. And then after that, he kind of hermited. He just kind of disappeared until Centerfield. Centerfield mm-hmm. was his comeback album, comeback. Um, this wasn't actually his comeback song. It wasn't a single. We've seen this several times that it was, uh, this was the B-side to the single, which was Rock and Roll Girls. And um, it makes me wonder, in the digital age, is there a way for that to happen? In in markets outside of like I would think maybe New York City, L.A., and maybe like London, is there? Do you have stations that are powerful enough to play a song that's not the lead single, or is it because it's not like it doesn't get sent to them as an A side, B side anymore? You know, it was a they sent them a forty five. I would think. Um, well, the only person I can think that like that controls our airwaves that's popular is like Ariana Grande. Like, yeah, she's got. Stuff that's not the lead single out all over the time, mm. all over the place. So I think it depends on the artist. I think if you're a certain artist, you can get anything played on there. Maybe you that's think, wrong. I, I don't know. Maybe yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, Maybe not. Makes me wonder. I don't know. If you're a radio person and you're listening, let me know. Yeah. I'd love to love to have a couple conversations about about modern radio airplay and yeah, how that works. That's good. We need to get. Uh, I wonder how Derek El- Derek Elledge, if you're listening, yeah, out there, you've got some radio background. Absolutely, help us out with that one. Yeah. Um, I thought it was neat that they had the name for the album before this track or song was even written. Yeah. Like they're like this album's going to be called Centerfield. Called Centerfield, and we don't even have a song called Centerfield yeah. yet. So I thought that was neat. Yeah. He he uh, apparently he grew up in. Um, he grew up in California, right? But he kind of adopted the New York Yankees as a team um, because uh, he just saw them as like the biggest and the best. Um, and he got sort of enthralled with the center field position in particular, seeing them as like the kings of the field. He said, I realized center field uh, must be a very special place, especially center field in Yankee Stadium, which seemed to be the center of the universe. That's good. So um, it just became a special thing in his heart, and he ends up writing this great song Man. just for baseball fans everywhere. So good, so good. Yeah, you know, he's uh, talked about how he's a big Joe DiMaggio fan, yep. and, he's his, and he's even mentioned that his song, as is Willie Mays and Ty Cobb. And I heard uh, the interview with Dan Patrick, Patrick, did you hear that? That he, <laughs> he, uh, he pictured Jackie Robinson as the brown-eyed handsome man. Yes, okay, I did, I that yes. Was in, the, in Dan Patrick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, funny, brown-eyed handsome, brown-eyed handsome man referenced in the song, uh, is also the reference in itself refers to the last verse of a Chuck Berry song called okay. "Brown Eyed Handsome Man." Oh well, there you go. And um, so he, um, 
that's a reference to that song where um, Chuck Berry sings about, it's like different verses and each one is a scenario of a different brown-eyed handsome man who is doing something, you know, um, uh, that's pretty cool. amazing. Yeah, so one of them is a baseball player. So That's awesome. Did, yeah. you, did you listen to the album at all? I, I, I did. didn't, not be on center field. I did. Okay, so there's, listen to the first single, Old Man Down the Road. Okay, Just yes. listen to it because song I, I, if you listen to it, tell me what it sounds like. Okay. Play it. And I think this is going to lead us into a uh, another uh, another discussion. So I was listening to the album. I was like, I know that song. How do I know that song? But I don't know that song. Yeah. And it's run through the jungle. Wow. Dude, it really is. Okay. So you're not the only one to think that. Uh-huh. Uh, and it leads to a really interesting uh, bit of information on Fogarty uh, and this album. Um, John Fogarty was involved in an interesting court case, which uh, ended up helping uh, loads of future songwriting defendants. Okay. Bear with me here. Uh Fantasy Records became the owners of uh, of CCR's copyrights and publishing when John Fogarty gave them up. He owned them, uh, but he gave them up in order to get out of his record contract with Fantasy Records. So years later, the song Old Man Down the Road, lead single from the Center Field album, comes out, and the owner of Fantasy Records alleges that it's just run through the jungle with different lyrics. He had the same thought that you had. Like, he goes, that's run through the jungle. Um <laughs> Fogarty went to court, fought the claim, and he literally brought his guitar to the stand. And uh, let's play. I guess we should play, play a little run bit through of the jungle. Run Through the Jungle. Uh, so here's, here is uh, Run Through the Jungle. We'll probably hit the chorus. It's the most, um, you know, the most similar part. So here's Run Through the Jungle by uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival. And you be the judge. Oh, I So that's run through the jungle. Now you can't deny that um, the same sort of spirit resides in both songs, right? But that was Fogarty's argument exactly was that of course they sound similar. They're mine, okay? Yeah. Like he's like yeah. they they both sound like me. But he brought his guitar to the stand to demonstrate the differences between them and demonstrate why, even though they may feel the same, they're not the same. Um, and and so. Um, he, he won that suit. Um, the rest of the story I'm going to read from a 2011 mental floss article titled the time John Fogarty was sued for ripping off John Fogarty (laughs) because it lays it out really well. Uh, I'm so glad you did this. I didn't know any of this. Yeah. It's huge story. Here's the rest of the story of Fogarty versus fantasy. I'm, I'm quoting here from mental floss. The case ended up before a jury in federal district court in San Francisco in late 1988, uh, the two-week trial featured Fogarty taking the witness stand with a guitar in hand to explain that, yes, the two songs may have sounded somewhat similar, but they were both variations on his signature, quote-unquote, swamp rock style, which is a great term for his swamp rock. Swamp oh, rock. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Uh, simply put, of course, two John Fogarty songs sounded the same. Um, the logic seemed pretty sound to the jury. It only took two hours of deliberation for the jury to determine that the two songs didn't meet the legal standard of being substantially similar that would have constituted copyright infringement. Uh, the Fogarty camp let out a collective huzzah. Okay, so here's where the story goes to another spot that is still affecting people now. The real legal action was just warming up, though. Since Fogarty had successfully defended himself against Fantasy Records' suit, he sought reimbursement for his attorney's fees. No dice. 
If the plaintiff, Fantasy, had been successful in its suit against Fogarty, the label would have been able to seek its lawyer fees from the musician. Since Fogarty had been a prevailing defendant, though, the court ruled that he could only seek fees if he could show that Fantasy's suit was frivolous or had been made in bad faith. Fantasy's suit may not have panned out, but it didn't fit those criteria. This decision put John Fogarty in a sticky spot. Sure, he had won the case, but he was on the hook for $1.09 million in fees for his attorneys and those of his current label, Warner Brothers. Fogarty and his team didn't think this arrangement was very fair, so they appealed the decision. In 1993, the United States Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit shot down that appeal, though, on the same grounds that the original suit had been neither frivolous nor brought in bad faith. After that failed appeal, Fogarty v. Fantasy, which would be an awesome title for a Fogarty concept record about (laughs) battling elves, by the way, uh, ended up in front of the Supreme Court. Fogarty's camp made the same argument that it made no sense to have a dual standard for plaintiffs and defendants seeking reimbursement for lawyer fees under the Copyright Act of 1976. Are we all together? In March 1994, so six years after this started, the Supreme Court issued a 9-0 to decision in favor of Fogarty. Wow. Chief Justice William H. Rehnquist wrote that there was nothing in the copyright of 1976 that implied that Congress wanted anything other than a level playing field when it came to awarding attorney's fees to the prevailing party. Rehnquist also hinted at a bit of Credence fandom, writing that CCR has been recognized as one of the greatest American rock and roll groups of all time. Wow. So there you go. Good job, John. John's winning all over the place. Man, winning. All, the, all he does is win, 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 no, no matter, matter what. what. That's Yeesh. right. That's right. How about that? So yeah, uh, really interesting. I thought that was really, and that's, you know, that matters to musicians now. I mean, that if you, oh, yeah. if somebody takes you to court for copyright infringement and you're, and you're proven that you're in the right, you don't have to pay those legal fees. Mm-hmm. That's, that's great. So, uh, very cool. Uh, where you want to go next, man? Uh, we did got- you know that John Fogarty claims to have memorized every episode of SpongeBob SquarePants? <laughs> <laughs> yep. He says that he's been, if you could put on any SpongeBob anytime, he can pick it up and quote it. That's insane. No, that's, that can't be real. That's, that's a claim. So, a claim. There you go. What that, one I TV, don't believe it. What one TV show could you put on and quote? Ooh. Um, I'll give you mine while you think. Okay. Mine would be Saved by the Bell. Oh. You, I feel like any episode mm. of Saved by the Bell that you put on, I yeah. can tell you the episode and I could quote the majority of it. Oh, man. You know, there would have been certain early eras of The Simpsons okay. that I could have quoted. Um and maybe even certain, probably certain episodes of Seinfeld, but I don't know about it, just a show that I could just basically top to bottom, yeah, quote all of it. And here's my thing on the SpongeBob SquarePants thing. That's a pretty large catalog, right? Yeah, that's, that's a years big... and years. Yeah, that I don't. Is that I, is SpongeBob still on? Are they still making? Sponge? I think it finally stopped. Okay, right? I, I think guess. it did. I yeah. don't know. I, don't, I, I was not. I'm the next generation. I don't. I don't get SpongeBob. I've, I don't I've only seen a couple it. episodes. Yeah, so I don't, forgive me. I'm I not a know. huge SpongeBob. But, fan. Look, I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna go on record and say. I don't think that's true. I don't think. Stop it. He'll take us to court and he'll win, not he to just, nothing. He just doesn't strike me as a SpongeBob guy. I, he's a swamp Although, rocker. Maybe he's a grandparent, though. Okay. Maybe. Uh, and and maybe that. he's a swamp. What does that mean? Uh, who, who lives in a pineapple under the swamp? No, I, was, I wasn't defending him for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty funny. Okay. Uh, all right. Where do you want to go next? I got some, some stuff on the song. Um, Let's let's do the baseball sidebar. Okay, I need some baseball. Okay, some more baseball. All right, baseball so, break. The song's called Center Field. Yeah, who do you think the five best center fielders are right now in Major League Baseball? Okay, start. We'll go alternating fashion, okay. and we'll see if we've got any that differ. Okay, so you go first. Who's okay. in your top five? I'm going to go Mike Trout. Mike Trout. Top. Mine. He just signed the literal biggest deal in sports history. Yes. Uh, what twelve years? It's a lot of money. Four hundred sixty. Yeah, like four hundred something million dollars. It like insane amount of money. He's a quadrillion for anyone right now. So yeah, well so. done, Mr. Trout. Well okay, done. he was on mine. Um, I'm going to go Dexter Fowler of the Cardinals. Okay, I like him. Well rounded. He's in my top five. Uh, I went, and these are in no order for me. It no, just, you're good. Okay, I went uh, George Springer from the Astros. He didn't make my list. Okay, okay. there's a newbie. He's rock solid. Um, I went. Adam Jones, who was a free agent okay. when I was making the list, yeah. but has since been picked up by 
somebody. I saw that he got picked up and I, I can't do not remember, remember who. Here we are claiming to be huge baseball right. <laughs> fans. But he was an Oriole, so yeah. he will always Long-time be an Oriole. Oriole for me. Yeah. All right. Okay. I went Christian Yelich from the Brewers, reigning NL MVP. That's a good one. I mean, yeah, you can't tough, really tough to beat that. I don't know how he didn't make my list. Monster season yeah, last that's year. That's good. Um, I went Andrew McCutcheon of the okay. Phillies. Okay. Because, and now he's opposite Bryce Harper. Yeah, so, sitting next to Bryce Harper. Sitting next to Bryce. He's he he come, will always be a pirate. To he's me, though, yeah, he's a pirate, longtime pirate. He's kind of come down a notch. I feel like in his like he was like the dude. He was the dude. Video game cover, like yeah. you know what I mean. So um, and so he's kind of in a he's kind of on the decline career wise. Unless I hope the guy makes a huge comeback because sure. I like him a lot. I do too. Um, I do too. Uh, okay, I went with uh, Charlie Blackman, Colorado Rockies. Okay, a monster masher. I went Jock Peterson of the Dodgers. Okay, so okay, we, there we go. I feel like he, I feel like he came in hot and he's cooled off he's a little bit. Chilled since. out a little bit. But my last one is is somebody that also did that too. My last one is Byron Buxton. I don't uh, know who that is. Time will kind of tell. He had kind of a down season last year, but he's defensive stud. Okay, and Who's a former Chattanooga lookout. Oh, okay. So well, he gets the nod. He plays for the Twins. Okay, yeah, and he was like he was like the number one rookie. You know what I mean? He came in like hot rookie prospect, whatever, and and, and came in and make a big difference. And then last year, not so much. But I'm hoping good things for Byron Buxton. Okay, so that's current day center fielders. Let's go best center fielders of all time. This one I don't okay. know if we'll be similar on. We had some differences on that one more yeah. than I thought. Okay, all right, top top five of all time. You go first, King Griffey Jr. Okay, he is. Not on. Yes, he is. He's on my list. Okay. Yes, Griffey Jr. Okay. Uh, Willie Mays. Willie Mays. He was my like, number one. Inarguable. Yeah, like okay. he's probably the greatest center yeah, fielder absolutely. of all time. He's even in this wonderful song. Yeah. Um, and another one from this song, Joe DiMaggio. Joe DiMaggio's on my list. Thirteen seasons. Two. Listen to it, thirteen seasons. Three MVPs. Nine World Series rings. Average thirty-four home runs per season. Before that was a thing. Sure. Like you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. uh, he struck out a total. Of 369 times in his career. That's amazing. For reference, Giancarlo Stanton struck out 211 times last season, <laughs> and that's not even the record. Yeah. Chris Davis from Baltimore holds three of the top 15 seasons with the most strikeouts, <laughs> and those two total 408. Oh my goodness. So, like, he's had two seasons in which, combined, he struck out more, more than, than DiMaggio in his entire career. career. That's yeah. awesome. Uh Ty Cobb. Ty Cobb, also mentioned in the song in a way that is a little hard to understand. We He's, talked about in yeah, the in the there. in the middle of the second verse. He says, "Say, say hey, hey Willie, tell the cab." And then Joe DiMaggio, maybe uh, play. I can play, play it for a second, and sampling. yeah, you can tell if you can decipher this lyric. Uh, let us know what it is. We, th- I think it's well. We'll let you hear it, and then and then, yeah, you decide. So uh, he's, I, I think it's tell the cob, which is kind of weird. <laughs> Why would you refer to somebody uh, the cob? The cob. Uh, I used to think it was tell me cob, like, but it was. But I think it's tell the cob and Joe DiMaggio because it says sense. and yeah. Joe DiMaggio. It's in, next. It's in a sentence. So, so I, if, when I was a kid, I just thought he was naming off players. Say, hey, Willie, tell me cob. I thought maybe that was like a, a thing for cob, like you know. Uh, you know, like Jolton Joe DiMaggio is like, ah, tell me Cobb. That was his like nickname or something, okay. but I guess that's not true. I don't know. Um, anyway, okay. Who's, I got one more. You got yeah, one more. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. going to be the same one, right? I, go for it. Mickey Mantle? No. Oh! No, Mantle didn't make my list. Okay. I took him off and I probably, whatever, but I went Andrew Jones. Okay. Andrew there Jones, you go. Atlanta Bravo. Braves. And here's my argument, okay? Yes, please. Beginning, Are- and some people will tell you, some people argue that Mantle was better than Mays. So there's I, mm-hmm. people would say, I mean, you could say I'm crazy, right? This is one of those great debates to leave Mantle out of the top five. Yeah. Um, but here's beginning his sophomore season, which was 1998. Andrew Jones went on an extraordinary run of 10 straight gold gloves playing center field for Atlanta. During that span, he showcased extraordinary power at the plate, peaking with 51 home runs and 128 RBIs in 2005. He ended his 17-year career with 434 home runs, fourth among all center fielders. Okay. But his defensive rating is by far the highest of any player to ever play the position. Good job. He's got Hall of Fame. Give it some defense. All, all, yeah. Like Hall of Fame offensive stats. And defense. And be, the, the best, best defensive, defensive center fielder okay. ever. That's awesome. And I have an Andrew Jones story. Oh, do tell. So I was in center Jacob Cagle, you can verify this. You know, he's sitting in center field behind Jones the whole game. Eighth inning, I finally get him to toss me a ball. Nice. So he looks at me, points, and tosses, and I reach out as far as 
I can oh, no. off the fingertips. Oh, no. Bobbled it. Jones would not have dropped it. <laughs> no. Mosier did. Oh, man. And this little kid runs under and grabs it. Well, I know that ball's intended for me. Yeah? What do you do there? Did you try no, and get it from the I kid? No, I let the kid have oh, the ball. Oh, man. <laughs> this kid thought it was the greatest moment of his life, yeah. and I felt like a failure. He's like, this old idiot dropped it. I know, it. his old butterfinger <laughs> out there. It's a good thing his arms weren't a little bit longer. But yeah, off the fingertips. Oh, that's heartbreaking. So, which, looking back, maybe Jones threw it a little short. Maybe. Maybe that golden glove, it's you got to give some credit to the arm. That's true. I didn't see any stats about his arm. About his arm. You just left a little glove. short there, Jonesy. Yeah, so, anyway. Interesting. Okay, cool. Wow. Well, yeah, he was a monster. We got to do one more. Okay. So, we've done, uh, we've done, oh no, I got to do a couple more. Okay. Let's, uh, so, favorite center fielders of okay. all time. Favorite? That of, played in our lifetime. My lifetime. So, like, yeah. me and Rob were both born in 81. Mm-hmm. So, we'll do from 81 or anything you remember from that up till now. Yeah, okay. Five favorites. All right. So. I'll, I'll start first with Andrew Jones, who I just said. Okay, okay, cool. He didn't make my list, so I'll, I'll go Ken Griffey. That's insane. A, no. What kind of Braves fan are you? Wait, 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 because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you. Okay. Go ahead, because I'll tell you why. Oh, you want to do my whole, whole top five? Oh, let's keep going alternating okay. fashion. All right, so Andrew Jones, you said? I said Ken Griffey Jr. Ken Griffey Jr., okay, also on mine. Um, Kenny Lofton. Okay, that's yeah. a good one. Okay. Angel slash Brave. Uh-huh. Kirby Puckett. Yeah. Which I should hate because yeah, the twins. Absolutely. Twins, twins, yeah. But I kind of respected him. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Uh, Carlos Beltran. Okay, it's a good one. Yeah. More, more strength. Willie McGee. Oh, Cardinal. man. Love that guy. That was a weird looking dude. Weird looking like. dude. 51? <laughs> Who wears 51? <laughs> anyway, it's a weird uh, looking dude. Okay, and then I, I had Griffey for my fourth okay. one. So who's your last? I had, well, I have two more. Oh, you got two I, more. Okay, so I, do one more. Eric Davis, who's on the folder here. Yes. For so Eric the Red. JP, if you, uh, haven't, we haven't mentioned this in a while. JP literally brings a folder that. That is in the shape of a Topps baseball card. It's a, it's an eight and a half by eleven folder, right. and it is Reds player Eric Davis. Eric Davis baseball card. Man, um, I'll give my last. Do you have one more? Or you, I do have one more. Okay, you do your one more, and then I'll do one. Braves legend okay. Dale Murphy. Oh yes, yeah. that's awesome. And I went Braves legend, maybe not legend. Here's Go. my disclaimer. Okay, so I was I wanted to only pick one Brave center fielder. Okay, so I had Murphy in the conversation. I had obviously Kenny Lofton. Dion played a little bit of center. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. So I thought about him, Marquise Grissom. Yeah. I went Otis Nixon. Otis I freaking Nixon. love Otis Nixon. Oh, man. The greatest catch over the wall. Whoo, man, boy. Otis Nixon. Druggy. Oh. Love that guy. <laughs> looked so old. Man, he, 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 he was like in his 30s, and he looked like he was 65. He really did. Like, look up Otis Nixon. Do Go, just Google favor. search Otis Nixon 1992. It doesn't matter. And it, he's like... I think it was a history of drug use that I don't or know. Did he, did he just look old? I Dude, don't know. He just looks like your grandfather. <laughs> but he literally did like he, yes, he looked like your granddad. That's like, like Papa Otis, you get out there and you run fast. Yeah. Man. Number one. That's, he looked like the oldest grandpa. <laughs> he did. The oldest grandpa ever. Thank you guys for sticking with us on this baseball. I mean, because- shoot. I ruined my own joke. I meant to say he looked like the fastest grandpa. That's good. There we that's go. Good. I'm so that's, sorry. That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, that was the that was the toughest one of me. For, oh, I forgot about Ron Gantz, another good Braves outfielder. But yeah, anyway. he was left field though. Okay, he did play yeah. left and moved around. Okay, here we go. So this is our last baseball thing. We're going to yeah. do our starting lineup. So can you do that? Can I you think do I, I'll try and do it off the top of my head. We I don't have to do batting down. order or anything. We'll okay. just work around the. We'll go infield or outfield. So okay, I'll go. I'll why start. Why don't so you give me your starting nine? I'll, yeah. I'll give you mine. And these are favorites. This isn't who we think is mine our. Mine are best. probably going to be all Braves. I don't okay, know. that's fine. Favorite this is who are our favorites. So in left field, I'm going Ricky Henderson. Solid. Center field, I'm going Willie McGee. <laughs> Love that guy. Why? Love that guy. <laughs> I don't know why. Right field, Andre Dawson, the uh, Hawk. Yeah. Which I have a great sidebar story. You know how he became a Cub. Nope. He said, I'm going to the Cubs, you can, and he gave them a blank contract. He's like, you pay me whatever wow. you think I'm worth. I'm going to the Cubs. Man. Which, he left the Expos, um, and he's like, I'm going to the Cubs. And th- they paid him $500,000, which is a disgrace. Wow. And he won the MVP that year. <laughs> so off of $500,000. Man. So that, thus making him, not that's not the only reason, but probably one of my favorites ever. Wow. Third base, Terry Pendleton. There's your brave yeah. slash card. Shortstop was the hardest for me to decide between because I really like Ozzie Smith and Barry Larkin, but I mm. went Sean Dunstan. Of Sean the Dunstan, yeah. They said that he would throw from short to first. They clocked it. It was in the 90s. Wow. Hardest throwing shortstop. Man. So yeah, 90s solid. across good, the diamond. Good choice. Sean Dunstan. Another Cub um, at second base, Ryan Sandberg. Yeah. First base, the crime dog, Fred, Fred McGriff. Fred McGriff. Freddie, first yeah. baseman for me. 
Catcher, um, I really, I think I need to go brave on this. I had Ivan Rodriguez down, but I'm going to mm. scratch him and put Javi Lopez okay. to get me another Bravo Solid. in there. Uh, on the hill, uh, keeping with the drug theme, I got to go Doc Gooden. <laughs> Doc Gooden. Dwight Gooden. Oh, like man. that guy. And my designated hitter, why not keep it going? Daryl Strawberry. <laughs> okay. There you go. All right. Just to, to tap it off. All right. Solid. I think I'll go my favorites. Uh, left field would be Ron Gant. Okay. That's Number a good five. One. Number for five. The I'm a Gant fan. Yeah. That's good. Uh, center field would be Dale Murphy. Okay. Um, my all time favorite player, period. There you go. Um, big fan of the show, I'm sure. Yeah. Thanks, Dale. Yeah. Um, Mormon. Yeah. Um, I'm, I mean, it, my, I'm named after him, so I'm not, I'm named after my dad who was Thomas Dale, but still I'm Robert Dale Good enough. and I'm going to, I'm just going to go ahead and, you know, claim yeah, it, claim it, uh, right field. These are really going to be all Braves. Uh, my favorite right fielder growing up was of course, David Justice. Okay. Oh so, man. I, how did I forget David Justice? Uh, who got, got kind of a bad look. If you've ever seen the Moneyball movie, yeah, he's kind of a villain in the, as, as an Oakland a in his aging, you yeah. know, whatever, but still, uh, uh, third base, I would probably also go Terry Pendleton. Okay. These are just my all-time favorite Braves. This is good. Right here. No, He's like, shortstop um, Jeff Blauser, yeah, greatest exactly, ever. Dude. <laughs> yeah, uh, Mark Lemke. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, shortstop is interesting. There were some really, really great shortstops in our era. Probably, I mean, you kind of got to go Ozzie Smith. Ozzie Smith, or, that's, yeah. And Barry Larkin, though. Yeah. I think maybe Barry Larkin. Okay. I think maybe Barry Larkin. Um, second base, I'd probably go Ryan Sandberg also. Okay. Yeah. Uh, first base. Okay. All right. I, I would go Fred McGriff, but I don't want to like copy cop, cop half your list. So, uh, why don't I go, why don't I go Ryan Kleska? Oh, there we go. My favorite you first just made baseman. my wife and her sister's day. It's her favorite baseball player. Really? Love Ryan Kleska. Loves Ryan Klesko, I so. used to, I used to cop his batting stance. Yeah. Uh, I went somewhere between the both of them. Okay. Between Klesko and McGriff. McGriff for the held stance. the bat. So cool. Could have also gone Andres Galarraga. I was going to say, you going big cat yeah, Galarraga. Yeah. Uh, Los Gato Grande. There yeah. we go. Yeah. There we go. Um, and then catcher, catcher, I'll go, um, man, I don't know. I, I mean, I would go Lopez. I could go Brian McCann, who's okay. now back yeah, with the Braves. He's a brave now. Um, and then, uh, on the hill, I'm going to go Tom Glavin. That's a good you It's go, funny that you picked Glavin out of that rotation. I would have probably picked Maddox. We share a birthday, so there I you feel go. like we have oh, a special bond. Which was yesterday bond. as we record that. Yeah, Happy thanks. birthday, Rob. Thank you very much. Um, so, yeah, I'm going Glavin. Okay. Um, good team. And oh, DH. You desi- pick designated hitter. Pick anybody that's Somebody left. who just smashes. Who's somebody from the American League? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what? I don't care. Give me Barry Bonds. Okay. Give me Barry Bonds. I, okay. Well, there you go. Cheater. Big head. Yeah, um, big-headed so thank, thank you guys for letting us do our baseball talk. Yeah. That was a lot of fun for us. And those of y'all that are listening, we're going to give you the opportunity to throw out your lineup. Yes. So give us, give your, us your all-time starting, starting lineup. lineup. Listen, to us. There's, there's a lot of reasons right now to join us uh, over at our Facebook group, which is you can go to facebook.com slash groups slash great song pod. That's the direct address. Or you can just search it. Uh, great songs and the great people who love them greatly. We've got a lot of great discussions going on there, including right now we're in the middle of March Madness. That's right. We're doing our first ever uh, episode bracket. We we got our thirty two favorite episodes, and we're we're uh, narrowing them down. We're in the sweet sixteen now of our favorite episodes, narrowing them down to our favorite episode over the first like two full seasons and first little bit of season three that we called from. And something that's neat about this episode is we're recording it on a Tuesday and dropping it this week on the Friday. A right. lot of times we record in advance. So we're smack yeah. dab coming at you live. Yeah. So we're right in the middle of yes. what we're talking about. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, go on there now and, and give us your, your, uh, starting nine from your lifetime, your all time starting nine. Uh, who would you, you know, who would you want to, um, See if you could be if, if you were the, the coach, manager. Yeah. yeah. Who do you want to hang out with? Yeah. Who's your who's your nine guys that if, you're playing baseball with? If you were that and so here's now this brings us to an interesting story. If you thought we were done talking about the song, you're dead wrong. <laughs> it's not we're about just to, a baseball episode. We're about to rock the earth with something here because you said you just said if you were the coach, right? But here's the thing though. Here's the thing. Baseball doesn't really have head coaches. Right. Manager. Football has head coaches. Basketball has head coaches, right? Baseball has a manager. manager. Yeah. Now you have a pitching coach and a batting coach. Mm-hmm. Um, first base coach, first, yeah. third base coach. Third, ba- third base coach whose job is just kind of sit there and clap. That's right. Come on. Let's go. And then you, you know, and then tell people to not go home. Yeah, wave a guy home or tell him to stop. And that's kind of it. Um, but 
one of the famous lines to this song, the 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 line in the chorus is just play it. Let's play let's play the, the chorus. chorus, okay? Here it is. Oh, put me in In coach, I'm ready to play, right? And so when we have we have a problem here that leads to an astounding revelation. Okay, baseball, you wouldn't say that, right? You'd say put me in Manager. skip, yeah, right? Skip. Put me in Mr. Manager, right? Okay. Um Hey Coxie, put me in. Yeah. <laughs> so um here here's the revelation. We're gonna play it again. Okay, I'm gonna play that that much again. And here's what we discovered, thanks to some of JP's friends. Yeah, we were talking, and me and Rob were just talking like a few minutes before we started. I yeah. was like, what do you think about the uh, cold uh, cold versus coach? And he's like, what? Yeah. What are you talking what about? What are you talking? And I was like, it's put, you just listen. He's, think yeah. of the word cold think, yes. versus coach here, those yep. of you. Put me in cold. Take See. a listen. Oh, put me in cold. So those of y'all that aren't baseball fans, or even some of you that maybe are, be like, cold, what does that mean? Well, when you don't warm up yeah. um, and you're thrown into the game, they call it putting you in cold. Yeah. Um, it's an expression like you're thrown into the, you know, you're thrown into it where you haven't had a chance to warm up. And it's like, give me the nod, coach or manager. Just put me in cold. I'm ready to play. You can throw yeah. me in whenever. And those of y'all, like myself, that have sung this song for years at the top of your lungs, put me in coach. I literally, I'm confused. I literally said, I, I said, JP, your friends are idiots. He's like, no. You have the stupidest friends. No. And then I said, what are their names? And he <laughs> gave me their names, and I named him by name, and I said, he's an idiot, she's an idiot. And then I said, write them down. And I tore the piece of paper in half, threw it on the ground, lit it on fire, and stomped it out right. as I screamed, idiots, one and all. And then you know listened what? with an open mind. They're right. Yeah. It's put me in cold. I can't believe it. I had to watch him sing it. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you go and watch him sing it in a live performance, it's put me in cold. I cannot. I'm so shook over this. And this happened. This disrupted my whole life right like before we started seven recording. Seven minutes before we started. It's put me in cold. I'm ready to play. I had, I purposely didn't look up. Like, I don't want to, but Rob researched it more it's, than I did. I yeah, just threw it out. I was like, nah, they're wrong. I found an article I'm online right. making the argument that lyrically and thematically it makes, makes more sense, which is true. Yeah. It does. Uh, I mean, put me in coach would have been fine. Sure. It, but, but it makes, it, in other words, it didn't not make sense before, but it makes even more sense for it to be put me in cold. I'm riding the bench. Especially about a baseball. I, I'm ready to go in. Yeah, yeah. I love the connection that you made about manager versus coach. That's yeah. great. Um, and, and so you listen to it and you be the judge, but I am convinced that this song I've known my whole life, I've been singing the hook wrong. It's put me in cold. I'm ready to play. Listen, I don't know. I don't really know what to do with that information. Uh, so I guess we just got to move on. And if, if you listen and you still hear coach, I want to know. Okay. Find us on Twitter at great song pod get in the Facebook group and let us know. But I think, this could be the great Garth debate of season three. of whatever, but I think it's empirical. I think you can hear that it is actually not coach, and you can see him sing it. Like, this is something you can scientifically go, it's cold. It's not coach. But then again, you know, even the way he says, tell me, Cobb, maybe he just mumbles. As a swamp rocker, maybe yeah. he just doesn't enunciate That's well. right. And so I, I'm going to do some research now that we've discussed it online maybe and come up with my own and form my own opinion. Yeah. Um, whereas I was dead set coach the whole way. Yeah. Um, I, I will do, I will give it the song It's Due Justice. I've been and, converted. Uh, uh, there we go. Unless he's talking like the assistant, the the Louisiana assistant coach from uh, uh, the Water Boy. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> that dude, yeah. Boomhauer, Boomhauer from Boomhauer King of the Hill. That's it. I yeah. More like, yeah. Um. So man, that's crazy. That like shook my whole world on this song right before we recorded. I don't even know what to do about it. Um. I have one more little thing I want to talk about on here. Okay. Uh, and that is a reference. Uh, to Casey at the Bat. Please. Um, so Casey at the Bat is a classic, um, you know, a, a classic American poem. Um, and 
it references it's the story of the this, Mudville Nine. The Mudville Nine, which he references in the song. He says in the in the second verse, he says, "I spent some time with the Mudville Nine, watching it from the bench. Uh, you know, I took some, took some lumps when the mighty case struck out." Okay, uh, spoiler alert. But the <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so the, the the story of the, the story of Casey at the bat. I, and I debated. We've gone we've gone long, so I'm not going to do this. I debated. I have literally the whole poem. I it's, thought of. I could almost quote it. It's it's public domain. Like we totally be in the right to want to read it. Maybe we'll do it and post it online and add some sound effects. We'll do a dramatic reading, Casey at the bat. Um, but um, it, it's the story of the big hero of the team comes up with the game on the line and strikes out. Okay, um, and and that's it. And there's the the last the great line uh, the great last stanza. Oh, somewhere in this favored land, the sun is shining bright. The band is playing somewhere, and somewhere hearts are light. And somewhere men are laughing, and somewhere children shout. But there is no joy in Mudville. Mighty Casey has struck out. Okay, so the reason okay. I know that is I was a senior in high school, and we had um, I did some speech competitions and such, and everybody did ones that mattered. Mm. Like, and so I didn't tell anybody what I was doing. Like, everybody had done all their homework and like prepped for the big speech competition, and I got up after somebody did some powerful crying thing, you know, <laughs> and I did Casey at the bat. Yeah, so that, that was mine. Uh, it's just it's Americana. You can feel. The atmosphere of the game, man, and it's it, awesome. You can hit you, the the sun like peeking over the top of the stadium uh-huh. roof. It's everything has that nostalgic, warm glow on it. Um, it's it's incredible. I thought about rewriting it um, for this, and oh my do it, like I got so into it, I was like, the outlook wasn't really for the podcast crew that day, oh and I was going to have Mighty Alley struck out because oh, he's our captain. But uh, wow, man, I didn't get that deep into it. But that would have been for, for that, a minute. That would have been the most JP thing ever. Like, <laughs> that literally. Been. So I thought about it, but I I, uh, I talked myself out of it, man. not just because of time, because I was like, nobody wants to hear me do Casey <laughs> at the bat with these random references from the podcast. Okay, let me let me. Rock your world on Casey at the back. Okay, okay? this is an allegation. Okay, okay, and I could not verify it, um, but it is alleged that in an article that was from the I want to say mid seventies that I couldn't track down. I tried to track this article down. Okay, um, but I couldn't find it. Um, but but it is it is told that there was an article in the seventies that alleged that Casey at the bat uh, that there was a missing. Uh, I, I want to say it was maybe two stanzas that are what? that were omitted from the original version of the poem uh, that show that Casey was throwing the game. Oh no! That he had. No! That, oh, that does rock my world. That he has an uncle in the stands who's taking bets. Okay. Okay. And his uncle's taking bets, and when he uh, when he gets two strikes on him in the poem, that there was another stanza that he looks up to his uncle and gives him a wink. Oh and man! It's, like, All it's right, a black here we sock go. scandal in poem form. Yeah, and and what? strikes out on purpose. Never heard that. And and throws the game. Yeah, man. so I, 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 that could be total conjecture. C- conjecture, um, you know, that somebody's really just made up and posted on the internet for no reason. Um, but but the there is talk that there was. An article. If if anybody knows how to track down old, I guess I could go to the library and see if they have it Man. on microfiche. I don't know how you do that even now, but um, but anyway, that allegation is out there that originally Casey threw the game. Wow. Well, on that note, <laughs> no, seriously, guys, thanks. We know we talked a lot about baseball on this. So yeah. I told Rob I'm more excited about this episode than I've been on any, any in a long time. So yes, it's good to be back, high five and slapping hands. Thank yeah. you guys out there for. For hanging with us on this you, one. We know it was a little different, but... You mentioned it, so I got to say it. This is my last tidbit of thing. Roll it. Say it ain't so in the second line. He says, don't say it ain't so. You know the time is now. Uh, and that is a reference to a story involving Chicago White Sox player Shoeless Joe Jackson, mm-hmm. one of eight players accused of taking bribes to throw the 1919 World Series to the Cincinnati Reds. It was reported at the time that a kid said something similar to this. To say He said, say it ain't so, Joe. That's the famous mm-hmm. That's the quote. Uh, thing. That a kid, it was reported at the time that a kid said something similar to this to Joe as he left a courtroom after admitting his guilt. Uh, neither of those things appear to be actually true, but that's the story, and the quote has become legendary. For those of you that don't know the story, watch Eight Men Out. Yeah. It's a good movie um, that kind of sums that up. Yeah. Charlie the Sheen. Sh- and the Chicago Black Sox scandal. Man, 
It's good so, stuff. Yeah. Baseball, guys. Baseball Woo! and music. Man. This is like, this is our dream. This mind. is really our wheelhouse. This, this is awesome. This episode is peak us right this now. Is, man, so. we're so excited about it. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. Um, Absolutely. And we, uh, we'll be coming back at you next week. Season three is kind of, we're talking about the horizon of we're season the back three. Half the, of the, season three. The ending, we can see the light coming. So, uh, we're, man, it's been so fun. It's gone so fast. It I feel does. like season three is flying it by. It is. We're, so. we're cruising. We got some good stuff. Don't look, we'll be right back next week with another banger. Okay. If you're not a baseball fan, next week we're talking hockey. <laughs> we, we've got the greatest hockey song. <laughs> it's called, it's called Nice Shot, eh? That's uh, good. Uh, hey, man, nice shot. Hey My man. filter, right? There you go. Hey, man, nice shot, eh? No, I'm just kidding. That's not what we're doing we're next week. We're not doing okay? any more sports for a while um, just to help yeah. you guys out. Okay. That's right. Next song, we're going to, next song, next. <laughs> bye. All right. Join us next week. Find us on Twitter at Great Song Pod. Find us on Facebook at Great Songs and the Great People Who Love Them Greatly. And of course, find all the archives, links to merch. Uh, we, we got my favorite new shirt that we have uh, at GreatSongPodcast.com is a reference to the Monkeys episode from season two. And it, j- it just says Gorilla, Gorilla, Gorilla. And it's got a, it's got a gorilla on it. Uh, and it's maybe my favorite quote from the show in, in all of history. So I was like, I'm making a t shirt out there of this. You go. So go to GreatSongPodcast.com. How did I say that just now? Podcast. Great Song Pod. Podcast.com <laughs> and get yourself a gorilla, gorilla, gorilla shirt and uh, send us a picture of yourself wearing it. We can't wait to see it. Until then, I'm Rob. I'm JP. Go listen to some music and play some baseball. There you go. Go out in the yard and throw a ball around. <laughs>